0: We are in our third week now in our Sounding Joy series throughout December. We're looking at the lyrics to Christmas carols and the scriptures that inspired them. And uh, two weeks ago, we did Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Last week, we did What Child Is This? And this week, as was already mentioned in the announcements, we're doing something a little different. Uh, We're looking at The Little Drummer Boy. And I realize I was actually a little nervous to even put this in the in the what's happening email because I realize some of you might be surprised by this choice. Uh, the little drummer boy doesn't use any fancy theological language. Um, there's no archaic words that need clarification. In fact, uh, half the lyrics are pa pum pum, which. I wish I could tell you it's the Hebrew word for grace or something like that, but it's not. (laughs) I'm sure somebody would call me on it, but it's not a very old song either, and of course the biblical account, if you know it, makes no mention of a little drummer boy visiting Jesus, and yet I believe this is one of the good ones. Uh, This is no Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. (laughs) This is a song that expresses some biblical truths. Uh, In my experience, this is the kind of Christmas song that people either love or hate. Uh, And I think a lot of that has to do with the music itself. Uh, I'll confess, I'm someone who has liked this song since I was a kid. And part of the reason for that is because in the late 80s, when I was very young, Uh, We got this cassette at a local Christian bookstore. Remember cassettes? (laughs) Remember Christian bookstores? (laughs) Um, And the cassette had uh, various artists doing their renditions of Christmas songs. And there was a version of the Little Drummer Boy on there by this Christian metal band called White Heart, And uh, they did the Little Drummer Boy with these huge, huge uh, drums, reverby drums, and it started very ominously, and um, the the, the huge distorted electric guitars and 80s hair metal vocals and harmonies, and as a six-year-old, I was just in awe. I had never heard anything like that before, and so I'd listen to it, and then I'd rewind it, listen to it again, over and over again. So... That was the version of Little Drummer Boy that I that I grew up on, and that you know got into me at a young age. And so I had a, a positive experience with it early on. And then uh, some of you might remember in the mid '90s, Jars of Clay did a version of this song that I really liked. You know, an acoustic, more subdued, melancholy version, and and I, I still like that one a lot. Uh, more recently. The group for King and Country has done another version. If you find the live one online, it's, it's very impressive, but their version is very big and dramatic, with like 11 people playing drums, which I suppose is overkill if you're trying to represent the little drummer boy. Um, but I, I really find this version to just send chills up and down my spine. It's really cool. So, if you've never really appreciated the song itself, You might want to try one of these three versions, look it up after service, and see if it helps you to enjoy the song a little more. But whether I am listening to one of those three versions of this song or a more traditional version, I find that this song has power to move me. Something about its simple lyrics gets to me. And this week, I've been reflecting on the question, why is that? Why would that be? Why does this song have power to put a little bit of a lump in my throat? And I think it's because it expresses in a very simple way several things that are true about God and true about us. And my hope this morning is that whether you love or hate this song, you'll be able to appreciate those truths that it expresses. So real quick, here's some background information about the song. It was first composed in 1941 by a woman named Catherine Kennecott Davis. Here's a picture of her, and uh, she called it the Carol of the Drum. Uh, she wrote it when she was about 50 years old. She was a music teacher. She actually lived not far from here in Massachusetts. And uh, then about 15, 17 years after she wrote it, in 1958, the Harry Simone Chorale, uh, they recorded a version of it and called it The Little Drummer Boy, and that was the recording that caught on. And uh, every Christmas, it was always on the billboard charts as one of the most popular songs. And, uh, of course, now it's become a holiday standard. It's been re-recorded by, like, 200 different artists in seven different languages. Um, so this song has been in the public consciousness now for about 60 years. It's, it's no Hark the Herald Angels Sing, but it's, it's had some staying power. Now, I tried to find any information I could about this woman and, you know, what, if she had faith and and, uh, what might have motivated her to write this song, and I couldn't find anything. Um, Sounds like maybe she was a private woman. (laughs) I don't know. She didn't seem to do any interviews or anything like that. Some people claim that the song didn't originate with her, but that she was translating an old Czech carol, as in Czechoslovakian, Um, but... Nobody seems to be able to confirm or deny that. So it's possible this song goes back further than 1941, but we can't be sure. So let's look at the song itself. It doesn't take that long to do it because it's not very long, and if you take out the pa pa pum pums there's not not much there. So uh, first song, or first verse, excuse me. Come, they told me, a newborn king to see. Our finest gifts we bring to lay before the king, so to honor him, when we come. So this, of course, is spoken from the perspective of the little little drummer boy, right? Uh, But he's quoting somebody else. Come, they told me. So who's the they that says we're bringing our finest gifts to lay before the king? Uh, Well, the song doesn't explicitly say, but if we're familiar with the biblical story at all, we know who the they is, right? It's the magi or more commonly known as the wise men. Now, the Magi are worthy of a sermon in themselves, uh, which we don't have time for this morning. But quick summary, the Magi were respected academic men who came from a foreign land. They were not Jewish. That's, That's very significant, that they were not Jewish. But they were convinced that the king of the Jews had been born. Now, how were they convinced of that? Again, this is a sermon in itself, but it appears that they were aware of prophecies that had been handed down to them about the circumstances that would be going on when this Jewish king was born. Uh, And part of those prophecies include this this idea that there would be signs in the heavens, certain uh, arrangements of the stars. And so they had noticed that this these things had been fulfilled, and they were convinced the king of the Jews has been born, and so they were going to uh, pay respects to him uh, by bringing their finest gifts, which the Bible describes as gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, we don't know for sure if the Magi invited other people come come along with us to come and uh, pay respects to the newborn king. They might have. If that happened, it wouldn't contradict the Bible. It wouldn't even contradict the Bible if they invited along a little boy who had a penchant for drumming. Uh, Could be. Could be. Uh, So this song is envisioning that possibility, right? Young boy has gone with the Magi, and he is now standing before the infant Jesus, and he speaks directly to Jesus. And he says, little baby, I am a poor boy too. I have no gift to bring that's fit to give a king. Shall I play for you on my drum? And then, of course, the last verse tells us the response to the boy's offering. Mary nodded. The ox and lamb kept time. I played my my drum for him. I played my best for him. Then he smiled at me. Me and my drum. Such a simple song, But as I said, there is something about it that gets to me, personally. And I'm sure I'm not alone, because otherwise this would have faded into obscurity a long time ago. So what are the biblical truths that this song captures? If you're taking notes, I have four to suggest this morning. And the first is something that we've been talking about from different angles for the last few weeks, uh, which is the beauty of the Incarnation. The Beauty of the Incarnation. Now, clearly this song doesn't use any fancy theological words to describe the Incarnation. It doesn't use the word incarnation, for one. But it says something that that hits me, okay? The reason I, I say this is just because of this one line, one phrase, I am a poor boy too. I am a poor boy too. The drummer boy looks at the newborn king, God in the flesh, lying in a manger, and he thinks... He's like me. That is part of the beauty of the incarnation, that God takes on human flesh, and now all of us are able to look at him and say, oh, he's like me. He gets it. Even if we are poor in the eyes of the world, we share something with Jesus. We share a common humanity. In becoming incarnate, God has chosen to identify with us, and the way that I put it last week is that it's kind of like he has chosen to join the sports team of humanity, right? If you think of all of humanity like a sports team, we have a bad record, and our prospects don't look good, and it would be easy to dismiss our team as a failure, right, But God, through the Incarnation, has chosen to join our team, and in doing that, he has elevated the dignity and the value of the entire team and of each individual on that team. You know, if you're a kid and you're on a a school basketball team that's never won a game, you know, you might not feel much pride in your team, you might be discouraged, but if all of a sudden, you know, LeBron James joins your team, you're going to be like, well, I'm very proud to be on this team right? There's something about God coming down to us that elevates us, that elevates our dignity and our value. Um, God elevates the value of poor drummer boys, right, Of, of marginalized races and disadvantaged classes, because through the incarnation, he says to us, and especially to the poor among us, I choose to identify with you, as you can see, I am a poor boy too. I'm willing to become a poor boy. The second truth that this song express, expresses <clears throat> is God is worth far more than we have to offer. God is worth far more than we have to offer. The drummer boy recognizes, I have no gift to bring that's fit to give a king. And if we are honest with ourselves, we are all in the same boat as the drummer boy. God is worth so much more than we have to offer. And it's so important that we realize this. There's something about this realization that is key to spiritual health. Uh, You might remember that when we were looking at the letters to the churches in Revelation, when we looked at the letter to Laodicea, uh, Jesus said some strong words to that church. He said, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Anybody remember that when we looked at that? Oh, sorry, that's supposed to be up there. The church at Laodicea was not like the little drummer boy, right? They were wealthy by the world's standards, and that led them them to think that they were self-sufficient and that they could provide everything that they needed through their own resources and talent. But Jesus wanted them to realize that regardless of how much money they had, spiritually, they were needy, right? No matter how much wealth we have, all of us are in need of things that we cannot acquire for ourselves. All of us are in need of spiritual food that we cannot get for ourselves. All of us need victory over our sin and death and the devil, and we can't secure those things for ourselves. And the posture of the heart that honors God is the posture of the heart that says, not, (laughs) I have wealth, I don't need a thing, but the posture of the heart that says, like the drummer boy, I have no gift to bring that's fit to give a king, right? The posture that says, God, I realize that when I come to you, I'm bringing my need. I'm bringing you my poverty. When I hear the little drummer boy, I hear an expression of a very famous verse, Ephesians 2, uh, 8 through 9, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You are saved from your sin, from death, from the devil, not because you have enough money to buy gold and frankincense and myrrh and bring that before the king. You are saved because of the grace of God. You are saved because he loves you, because even though you have no gift to give that's worthy of him, he shows you favor. He humbles himself and comes down to you and identifies with you. I think that the song drives home this point that it is by grace that we are saved, specifically through what the drummer boy has to offer. Because let's be honest with ourselves. The gift of drumming is not an ideal gift for an infant, right? Definitely not the ideal gift for a mother of an infant. <laughs> I just got him to sleep, shh, right? But that's partly why this song moves people, right? Because the offering is so humble, right? It's so not ideal, and yet it's embraced. It's a reminder that it is by grace that we have been saved, and this is not of ourselves, It is the gift of God. So that brings us to the third truth that this song expresses, which is that what we offer to God is less important than the attitude in which we offer it. What we offer to God is less important than the attitude in which we offer it. The drummer boy didn't have much to offer, but he offered what he had, And his desire, the attitude of his heart was to honor this king. And he did what he could. He did the best he could. And that pleased God. He smiled at me. Right? God smiles when our desire is really to honor him. Even if we have hardly any wealth or talent to offer up to him. I think that if the little drummer boy is represented in Scripture, the best character to represent him is a widow in Luke 21 who offers some money to the temple treasury. Uh, Luke 21 says, As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. I tell you the truth, he said, This poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. In other words, it's not the size of the offering that's the most important, it's the attitude in which it's given, it's the heart behind that offering someone who so desires to honor God that they offer something, even when they have hardly anything to give, that person's heart makes God smile. As I was preparing this sermon, I, I found this uh, short story written by a guy named Jonathan Twitchell called The Legend of the Little Drummer Boy. And I thought what he did was really creative. He, uh, he imagined... The whole story of the little drummer boy in more detail, he called him Zach, and he described you know, Zach wanting to join, on, join, join in with the crowd that was going to worship the newborn king, and everyone kept trying to get him to be quiet because his drumming was annoying and everything. And of course, it eventually describes him coming before the newborn king, and he's, he's thrilled because the, the newborn king is the only one to appreciate <laughs> his drumming. And uh, he knows he doesn't have anything else to offer, but he plays for him. And you know, But the story has this beautiful epilogue where he says, people have wondered, what happened to Zach, the little drummer boy? Well, he, uh, he grew up, and then at 18 years old, he got married. Uh, but then, unfortunately, he, he fell sick, and he died when he was 30. And of course, his widow mourned his death, but she always remembered the story that he would tell about how he played for the newborn king. And, and uh, even though nobody else wanted to hear his drumming, when he played for him, he smiled at him. And then he says that uh, the widow, the little drummer boy's, drummer boy's widow, uh, was in the temple uh, court one day, and she had hardly anything to offer. But she thought, well, I remember what Zach used to tell me, Tell me. so even though I just have a, a little bit to offer, I'll put it in the, in the treasury. And then she said that Jesus was in the court, too, and, and Jesus looked at her and smiled at her. You know? So I, I thought that was a really creative way of showing that what the little drummer boy expresses is also what Luke 21 expresses as well, uh, that God is pleased with what we offer to him when it's given in the right spirit, even if it's a very humble offering. So there's one final truth, that I'd like us to recognize as expressed in this song, which is that we should turn our work and talents into worship. We should turn our work and talents into worship. You know, even if we don't say this out loud, I think a lot of us can come to assume that there's only a handful of ways that you can legitimately worship God, right? You can go to church. You can sing Songs, right? You can pray, you can give money to church, um, and if you're really extreme, you can become a pastor or a missionary. And of course, those are good things to do. Those are, well, not everyone's meant to be a pastor or a missionary, but these are all positive things to do, right? And, and most of those things we should all be doing. But the little drummer boy encourages us to expand our idea of what worship is, right? Because it encourages us to think I can turn playing a drum into an act of worship. Even if I'm not playing in a church. right? And even if there's no one accompanying me who can sing lyrics that makes it very clear that this song is for God. I can play this drum to the glory of God. Right? And that is actually a very biblical way of thinking. Colossians 3.17 says, and whatever you do, Whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whatever you do, turn it into worship. Now, I think it goes without saying some activities cannot be turned into worship. You cannot be a drug dealer to the glory of God or a human trafficker to the glory of God. But if an activity is not inherently sinful, there is an attitude that can turn that activity into an offering to God, into worship. You know, when Paul says, whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's not expecting people to only be going to church and to be becoming pastors and singing worship songs, right? He's expecting people to be practicing their trades and running their businesses and cleaning their houses and raising their kids. And he's saying, take all these activities and turn them into worship. Do them for the glory of God. This is the same thing that he says in 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So how do we do that? Well, what we do is what the little drummer boy did. We take whatever we're doing and we adopt an attitude that says, God, I am going to do this to the best of my ability and I'm going to do it with an attitude that says, I'm doing it for you. I know that you are the one who made me. You are the one who gave me life. You are the one who has made it possible for me to do anything that I I, I do. So let my work work my chores, my parenting, let it all be an offering to you. Some of us here might be feeling spiritually dry this morning. That often happens to people. Uh, Maybe we feel like we're not doing enough for the kingdom of God, and we feel bad about that. And we feel like it's all we can do just to pay our bills and and raise the kids and snowblow the driveway, right? and uh, meet expectations at work and eat healthier and figuring out what's leaking over there in the corner of the house and take the cat to the vet. And and if that's the situation that we're in and we're feeling spiritually dry, my first advice is actually not to read your Bible more. Although that might be a good thing to do. It's usually a good thing to read your Bible more than you are, Um, but that's not my first advice. My first ad- advice is not to uh, volunteer more in the community or something like that. Although, although, again, that might be a good thing to do. But my first advice is to turn these things that you have to do into offerings to God. Right? Do them with a drummer boy-like attitude. The drummer boy asks, shall I play for you? And maybe if we could start framing the things that we have to do by asking God that question, it would make us feel more alive and not so spiritually dry. Shall I play for you? Shall I study for this test for you? Shall I be patient with my children right now for you? Shall I clean the kitchen again for you? Shall I do my job today for you, God? You know, if we can do that, then our whole lives become worship, and then we feel his smile on us. Our lives become richer and more meaningful and more joyful. One line that's always stood out to me, and it's always hard for me to put my finger on why, is the ox and lamb kept time. which is a funny line, because animals have no sense of rhythm, right? And it's kind of funny to think of the ox and the lambs, like, bobbing their heads. (laughs) But I think the fact that it's strange is part of the whole point, right? As the drummer boy is making this offering of worship, something special and kind of magical happens, right? The animals join in with him. And perhaps this is a stretch, But I think the reason that moves me is because I see in that a symbol of something. I see in that a symbol that there's an experience that we have when we begin to adopt a drummer boy kind of attitude. And that experience is is, is that the world comes alive with praise. Right When we have that worshipful, humble kind of attitude... Things change, like life is not gray and drab and meaningless anymore. Instead, we see all of nature as a reflection of the glory of God joining with us in praise. So let's make it our aim to make our whole lives worship and and then to feel God's smile on us. Even if our offering is, is small or unimpressive or ordinary, it will still be beautiful to the king, and he will still smile at us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord, I thank you um, for the reminders that this, this carol gives us that what you really want from us is just the humble attitude that recognizes we need you and and that we want to offer our lives in worship to you. God, I I pray that you would help us to turn the ordinary things of our lives into acts of worship, Lord. Help us to do them filled with your Holy Spirit, with an attitude that aims to, to please and glorify you. And Lord, I pray that as we just Go, go through our, our daily lives, go through the, the chaos of the holiday season, all these things, Lord, that we would feel your smile on us. In Jesus' name, amen.